Today, I've got a burden that I, I want to share with you. If you could have some more lights on upstairs so people could read their Bibles and things like that, that would be great. And the title of what I'm sharing with you tonight might not sound that exciting to you. Prayer, politics, and the powers. But I'm convinced that the greatest thing that we have to offer this world after our love is our prayers. Never underestimate the power of your prayers. Tremendous prayers can have tremendous powers. And here we are. So many things are happening in the political world, aren't they? Right across the world. In Europe, we see changes. In America, we've seen changes. In Britain, we're seeing changes. We're now on a run-up to an election in France. They're going to have their second round of presidential elections. And whatever you think about what's happening, whether you're happy with it, whether you're sad with it, or whether you're confused, great change is taking place. And we as Christians have a role, not just in deciding in the various elections who we should vote for, and uh, we'll be sharing more about how you can find out your best candidate. It's not necessarily the party that you always vote for, by the way. And uh, you can find out the voting record. You can find out uh, what the people in your areas, your constituencies uh, believe and how they voted on key Christian issues. We can look at all those things, and we will. But what, what, one of the most important things, really, at this time is our prayers. And um, I'd like to turn you to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, where we have this instruction to pray for those that are in authority. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that you make supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for everyone, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. This was the testimony given at the proper time. For I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and do not lie, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I desire that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or contentiousness. So here we find that Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's explaining the importance that we pray for all of those that are in authority, for kings and all that are in authority. Part of our daily prayer, part of our Wednesday evening prayer life is that we lift up those that are in authority over our nation and other nations. And there's a reason for this. It's not just to pray for them, but, but God has got a result on his mind. He says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. In other words, when we pray for those that are in authority, those that are in politics, God is saying, this is good. 
This is acceptable in my sight. In other words, he's saying his ear is especially attuned to the prayers that we're praying for those that are kings or in authority or prime ministers or MPs or whatever manifestation of temporal or earthly authority that they're in. And, and it's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Why? Because he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He then goes on to speak about the fact that it is Jesus, Jesus who is the mediator between God and man. Notice there's a connection. God, uh, Paul is saying we should pray for those in authority, and God is pleased. Why? Because if we continue to pray for those that are in political authority... Sooner or later, it's going to have an impact on the kingdom of God and even on the harvest field. After all, we see in this passage that it says, pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all goodliness, godliness and honesty. You see, there's an impact. If we pray and continue to pray for those that are in authority, we can expect that there's going to be a result. There's going to be a peaceful life, a quiet life, godliness and honesty. And for me, what this means is we will be able to do the work of the kingdom, making disciples. Now, it doesn't mean that the moment that we pray for those that are in authority, within a day or two, everything's going to be changed and we're going to have a wonderful environment for the gospel and for, for the kingdom of God to come in people's lives. It doesn't mean it's going to happen instantly. It might take weeks. It might take months. It might take years. In some nations, it might take generations of praying this prayer. But we can have a confidence that sooner or later, if we are diligent in praying for those that are in political authority as the church, that's our role. We are priests after all. How many of you know that in London, the only priests that they are ever going to come into contact are you and me, the holy priesthood. We're, we can stand in the gap. We can make a difference. And so we can pray and we can expect that our prayers will, will be heard by God and sooner, we hope, rather than later, an environment will begin to change. An environment that brings peaceable, godliness, honesty, where we can get on with doing the job of the gospel, preaching the gospel, making disciples in a better way than when there's constriction upon it. This is speaking about praying for human authorities. Now, when he then ties this and says that this is, this is uh, acceptable in the sight of God who desires all men to be saved, there, I think there's a link that when we pray for those that are in authority, there can come out of that an environment conducive to the kingdom of God flourishing. And then out of that also, we can expect that there's going to be an increase in the harvest field. You say, well, what type of conditions will God create for it to be conducive for disciple making and a harvest field? I don't know. I can't answer that. 
It could be different things at different times. After all, in Jerusalem, they were praising and praying God and thinking everything was going well and praying for his kingdom to come. And then a great persecution hit Jerusalem. It looked like, wow, this isn't good for the gospel. And yet the gospel spread, didn't it? Out to Samaria. So so I'm not saying that everything's always going to be roses uh, when we pray this. God can send different environments in different ways. But if we pray this, we can believe that sooner or later an environment conducive to the spread of the gospel at that particular time will come to pass. You know, many people are praying for revival. Uh, But remember that that revival, uh, although it is a spiritual thing, often revival comes because God has been working in the social and political environment. You just have to read about the Reformation, for example. The the Reformation didn't come out of a cultural vacuum or a political vacuum or a social vacuum. But when Luther began that Reformation, there was a lot of things that were going on in politics across Europe, in uh, society across Europe, in education across Europe. There, There was a renaissance in learning. There were many, many things, social things, political things. All these things were taking place. Luther didn't know it. Uh, the Reformation, the carriers of the Reformation didn't understand it at the time. But as they were praying, God was bringing everything into an, an alignment for a move of the Holy Spirit. And so all these factors, I won't go into them, it's not my intention tonight. All these factors, political factors, educational factors, social factors, historical factors, and the factor that people were crying out to the Lord and believing God for a a move came together and it was like the Holy Spirit brought it together and then combustion began. It was the right moment, the right time, it all came together. For example, where would the Reformation have got to without the printing press? You hear hear what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that if we are diligent in praying for government, if we're diligent now in praying for the elections and we pray and we pray and we pray, sooner or later we can believe that God is going to bring the right conditions, spiritual conditions in the church, political conditions for good or for bad, but for the good of the gospel, environmental conditions, and that they'll come together and there will again be a combustion. We like to pray for the lost here at Kensington Temple. We're going to do a lot more of that, especially going to our summer of evangelism. But we also have to pray for those that are in political government. God has given us two divine institutions. He's given us the church, but he has also given us government. Now, you can have good governments and bad governments in God's eyes, but you can also have good churches and bad churches in God's eyes. But the idea remains, government, political government is God's idea in order to bring order into uh, society and to bring peace. God's idea, just as the church is. So when we're praying for the church and we're praying for revival and we're praying for renewal, we should also not forget this aspect of praying for the government. And so during this time that we are in an election, we have to be strongly praying that God's will will be done and that God's kingdom will come in this election and continue to pray because that will be part of God's 
preparation, I believe, for an environment that will bring, again, everything into alignment for a moment of combustion that will be revival. Let me take you now to Colossians chapter 1 and verse uh, 15. Because I've been speaking about praying for temporal or earthly uh, people that are in authority and elections and things. Very, very, very important. I hope I've just thrown that out to you. But there are not only earthly powers and authorities, there are also spiritual powers and authorities. And we read here in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, about Jesus. 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So here we find that there are powers. There are temporal earthly powers, visible powers, but there are also invisible powers that are operating in human history, spiritual powers. All of these powers, whether earthly or spiritual, Jesus is Lord of them all, and they were created to serve him. In Colossians chapter 2 now, verse 13, we see these powers again. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul, Paul speaking, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of flesh, he has resurrected together with him, having forgiven you all sins. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed authorities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, let no one judge you regarding food or drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or Sabbath days. These are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So here we find that on the cross, Jesus defeated and conquered all power and authority. All power and authority, Jesus said, have been given to me, therefore go. That means he reigns. He's Lord of all. His name is above every name that can be named in human political authority or in the spiritual authority of invisible powers. Now, I want to take you finally to Ephesians chapter 6, where we see these powers again Ref referenced. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 10. Finally, my brothers... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the fiery arrows, arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication to the end and be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray for me that power to speak might be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here in this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we have again reference to earthly powers and spiritual powers. And uh, what Paul says is our fight is not against flesh and blood. There are flesh and blood powers, political powers. That's the, the rulers, the kings, they're flesh and blood. But our fight is not against them. We don't take up arms to overthrow the government uh, because we don't think that they're Christian enough. Our fight is not against these flesh and blood but we do have a fight. We do have a struggle against spiritual powers. You see, every manifestation of earthly power that you see has spiritual powers working behind the scenes. Spiritual forces are influencing material forces. And so what we can see in certain nations and at certain times are the outer manifestations of human political power that are being driven by the ethos or the, uh, or the thinking of spiritual forces behind it. You can look at false religions, false religions, false human-made religions, yet we know that behind those false religions, there are spiritual powers that are empowering them as much as they're able, that, that, are, that are part of bringing out these false doctrines. And so what we see in God's world, there is no division between invisible and visible. For us, we see the visible. But in God's sight, visible and invisible are one world, and they're all under Jesus's power. We see the manifestation of the invisible powers in the visible for, for good or for evil. The outer manifestation and the inner empowering by these spiritual forces. That's why we're in a fight. Not with the human outward forms of false religion or evil politicians, but we are in a struggle with the powers that are behind them. Now you say, well, how do these powers operate? What are they out to do through these various earthly manifestations of flesh and blood? Well, I believe that the key is in the type of armor that we need. You only need the correct armor or military defense for the way that the enemy is coming against you. Isn't that correct? So there's no point in getting a barbed wire fence with guard dogs to defend yourself if the enemy are firing missiles at you. You need a dome to get rid of the missiles like the Israelis have. 
And so if you look at the armor that God says that we are to have, it is, it is telling us exactly the types of attacks that come from these spiritual forces. You don't need armor if you're not being attacked at the head, in the breastplate. And so when we look briefly, I'm not going in depth to this, to the armor, you'll see that we need a belt of truth. Why? Because these powers that are in rebellion to God are spewing forth into the human arena of thought, philosophy, religion, and political ideology, falsehood, lies, antichrist dogma. We need the belt of truth. Why? To defend us against the powers that are releasing anti-truth, antichrist ideas, false religion. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why you need it, because the powers are doing it. The breastplate of righteousness. Why, when we are fighting against spiritual powers, do we need a breastplate of righteousness? Because these spiritual powers are wicked powers and they are releasing unrighteousness, unrighteous doctrines, unrighteous religions, unrighteous morality. I mean, you only have to look at some of the thought behind immorality in politics, society, and media today. It's not just, well, we'll do what we want and we don't care, but there, there are philosophies, ideologies that are promoting unrighteousness and immorality. That's why we need a breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because these powers are involved in pushing this unrighteousness and immorality, capturing people's minds. Why do we need a shield of faith? You only need a shield of faith if there's a lot of unbelief coming your way. We know that the root of all sin is unbelief. And so these powers somehow, it's a mystery, I don't understand it, but somehow they are involved, the spiritual invisible power behind the physical manifestation of unbelief. Do you know atheism is a spirit as much as it is an ideology? You see, at the, at all the problems that we face in life, all problems that we face in life, all difficulties in the world are at root spiritual. That's why it concerns me sometimes when you get Christians and they put so much hope in politics, so much hope in this party, that party, this change of God, that change of God, as if their hope is in politics, when at root we need to deal with things at root and it's always spiritual. So we need that. The helmet of salvation. Why do we need a helmet? Because these powers are involved in trying to keep as many people from coming to the gospel as they possibly can. And we know that Satan blinds the minds of the unbelievers. There's a demonic work in unbelief. It's not just that people are sinful and simply don't believe. That's true but also somehow there is an invisible power involved in the blinding of the mind. It's not just natural fallen man who has no desire for God. Do you hear what I'm saying? But there's a blinding aspect. And so we have a helmet of salvation because there's so much hell out there. There's so much power that's trying to take people to hell. And so you can see that, that there's, a, there's an importance here now. now these are defensive mechanisms. These are armor, but it also shows us how these powers are working through flesh and blood and politics to manifest their antichrist 
ideas. Now, we're not without weapons. It says that take the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayer. You see, this takes us right back to where we started, I believe, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That when we are praying for all those that are in government, when we are praying uh, the opposite to what the, 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 uh, uh, the powers are promoting, we're praying faith and faithfulness in politics. We, we are praying for God to raise up faithful politicians. We're pray, praying for God for righteousness to exalt a nation, for righteous laws. We're praying for truth and goodness to come into politics and political rules. Uh, you see what I'm talking about? We're praying these things. All these things are good. We're praying to God to do it. And when we're doing that, when we're praying in the spirit, we are having a tremendous effect on the environment of our nation or whatever nation that we are praying. You say, do you address the powers? No. Why would you address the powers when you can address the power, the power of the Holy Spirit? And when we address the power of God, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and the Father in Jesus' name, and when we speak and ask the Holy Spirit to come, we are engaged in powerful, if you want to call it spiritual warfare, I hardly like to use that word, it's been so misunderstood and maligned, but when we ask, basically spiritual warfare is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is spiritual warfare in a nutshell. And as we are praying, God will be releasing his answer into the realm. He'll be pushing back the darkness he will be lifting up the righteous. You see, what happens when a revival takes place? One way of looking at it, there's many ways of looking at it, but isn't it, isn't it true that when a revival takes place, if I can put it bluntly, the Holy Spirit comes, pushes all the other powers that are in people's lives out of the way and begins to be the power behind the flesh and blood. In other words, people are affected. You know, this isn't just praying for governments. People are affected by these spiritual powers. Christians are affected by these spiritual powers. We know in the church that Christians are affected by immorality and unrighteousness, unbelief, false doctrine, lies. Christians can be captivated by these false ideologies and get into error, true or false. And that error is demonic. So it's not just people being sinful. We know there are demonic doctrines of demons. And so what we're looking at is not just governments, but individuals can be influenced by the prevailing powers of that moment or that time. So when you look at a society that is collectively or corporately demonized, in other words, the false doctrines of devils uh, immorality, all these things I'm talking about, the powers, have convinced and persuaded and pervaded through not just individuals, but many individuals are now believing that right is wrong and wrong is right and immorality is, is, is okay. And, and what's happening here is powers are influencing them. But when we pray and when God comes in revival, all of a sudden, you hear the stories, don't you? The wonderful stories. Someone's walking down a street. 
passing a church in revival. I heard about this in the Ulster revival in Northern Ireland. Hear the singing, and suddenly the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They find themselves on their knees seeking God. How did that happen? You say it was a sovereign work of God. Yes, it was, but it was God's power coming into that individual and smashing the power of sin and Satan and overturning them by the power of the Holy Spirit. People begin to preach with, a, with power, power in the Holy Spirit. And people that were, no, were not open to the things of God scoffed and laughed. All of a sudden, the same people are transfixed by the, transfixed by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit on and through the preacher. What's happening? The power of the Holy Spirit is coming and he is casting out, breaking the powers that held these people captive. So that's why Paul says, pray for me to preach the gospel. Why? Because he wanted an anointing that would drive back these spiritual wicked powers that were behind the scenes and that were keeping people captured, keeping them captured. I deliver this to you because I want you to understand that your prayers are important. We don't go around speaking to the powers. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why, why would you speak to powers? Why would you speak to demonic powers? Who do you think you are? Why would you do that? But you can speak to God regarding the powers. Father, deliver our nation from the powers of the wicked one. Father, deliver our nation from the false ideologies of immorality. Father, lift up the godly. On Wednesday evenings, we've been praying for the elections. And one of the prophetic lines that we believe that we've been given, because it says, pray in the spirit. How many of you know that true prayer is an anointing? True prayer is an anointing. Now you might feel the anointing or not, I'm not, but true prayer is an anointing. Pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayer. That's our weaponry. And who do we pray to? The Father, the Lord. And we're praying and we're pleading and we're interceding and we're standing in the gap as priests. No one else can stand in the gap before God for this election except you and I and other born again priests. We're the only priests Great Britain has got. The church is small in Europe, but with the only priesthood this continent has got that can go to God in the Holy Spirit on their behalf and plead that God would, would take away the judgment and instead bring a mercy, an outpouring of mercy. We can go to Father with great confidence in the name of Jesus and plead the blood before the throne of God on behalf of the nation and say, God, don't deal with Britain according to its sins, but deal with Britain, we pray, according to the blood of your son that was shed 2,000 years ago. Father, don't look at Europe and its sins, but rather, if you would look at Europe through the blood-tinted glasses, of Calvary, and have mercy and have grace. This is what the whole book of Joel is about. Great judgment is coming. The locusts are coming. Everything's being destroyed. Judgment is rightfully coming. But then in the middle, God calls people to him. 
calls to fasten to pray. And the priests go from the porch. They look out, oh my goodness, look what's happening out there in the world. And then they go to the altar and they plead. And God, God, who has inspired their prayers, relents. And instead, we know that a Pentecost comes. We've been led on Wednesday nights. This is what we're going to do right now. And then we'll move into ministry for your lives. We're going to put this into action. Pray, people. Pray. Pray. Your kingdom come, Lord, in these elections. Pray for France. Pray for your... Pray for America. Pray, 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 pray. Not your own political views. You've got to lift yourself higher than your political views. Because me and you, we're going to disagree on who we're going to vote, probably. And then we're going to start talking. Now, that's important to find out who, you, who, who in your godly conscience you should vote for. But when you're pleading for a nation, when you're praying, you've got to go above that. That's where you've got to say, God, you bring your will. Because we don't know how he's going to bring it, but we know if we pray, he will. And that means when, when things go bad politically or things go good politically, we say, well, we're going to pray anyway because our hope is that God is hearing us and that God will sooner or later bring an environment, bring all these factors together for the next ignition of revival. And we've been praying. We've been praying in this election for many things, but we've been praying that, number one, true Christians that God has called into the ministry of politics during this election, his favour would be upon them. We've been praying for Daniels and Esthers for such a time as this. We believe that not only does God call us into the ministry and to Christian ministry, but he also calls Christians into the political ministry. We've been praying, God, for the Daniels, God, for the Esthers, let them arise for such a time as this. Is that spiritual warfare? Yes, because if they are blessed and come into different powers in in local government or or an MP, they are going to bring the influence of the kingdom of heaven there, we hope. It is driving back the powers. That's what we've been praying. We're going to pray that in in a few seconds. Secondly, we've been praying that God would raise up the Cyruses. There's a Cyrus principle in the Old Testament that we often pray. And that is where God used... A non-believer, a non-Jew called Cyrus used him as his instrument to deliver his people back to uh, their land. You can read this in Ezra and, and Nehemiah. And this man didn't even know the God of Israel. God used him anyway. Sometimes God can use Cyruses in the political arena. They might not be Christians. But God uses them in order to bring some sort of righteousness or some sort of advancement that will be uh, helpful for his kingdom. So we're praying, God, for the Cyruses, raise them up too. The Daniels, the Esthers, and the Cyruses. And then finally, we're praying that God would remove the evildoers and the antichrists. Those that are out there. Now, God knows who they are. We might have some ideas and we may be right or we may be wrong. But there are evildoers, workers of iniquity that are out there. Again, I'm not out. I don't think we get into naming people, but we pray, God, the wicked ones, you know who they are. We pray that you will uproot them, remove them. We pray that, that you pray, Lord, that, 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 that they will be moved out of the way. Now, I know that God can use the evildoers for ultimate good. I understand that. But that's his business. 
But I believe that we have a right to pray for godly judgment. And we can pray, God, if there's anybody there that is wicked, would you mind removing them? We can pray it. He can work it all out. It's not for us to work it all out. Sometimes we're too busy thinking we know exactly what God's going to do. Oh, we must raise that person up. Why? I like him. Oh, he's definitely going to defeat her in the elections. Why? I don't like her. And we get all, you know what? I think God is looking for some simple childlike faith in these manners, where we spend our focus on him and let him do these wonderful works in whatever way that he wants. Let's stand together if I can have the microphone. We're going to pray. Amen. We're going to pray. And then after we've prayed, we won't spend long. This isn't a prayer meeting. We won't spend long, but we are going to pray. Then after that, we're going to minister to your needs tonight. I just wanted to share that so that you can understand that your prayers are even more important and powerful than your vote. And your vote's important too. So we're going to pray, each one of us. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray for this election And the first thing that we're going to pray, we'll all pray together, is we're going to pray that God will raise up Daniels and Esthers for such a time as this. Amen? Just begin to pray right now. Daniels and Esthers, Christians, true Christians, born again. Doesn't matter what nationality, I mean, what denomination they're in, but God, we believe, is placing them Quite a number of Christians became MPs in the last election. We want more. Daniels, Esthers, they can turn history in a moment in the right place. Pray to the Father. Pray that he would anoint them. Lift your voices. Lift your voices. Show him you mean it. Lord, give us an anointing right now to pray. An anointing to pray in the Spirit. May we pray in the Spirit right now, Lord. Oh God, we're asking, we're believing, Lord, that you have called Christians into politics for such a time as this. And we pray for them. We pray for those that are true Christians that are already in Parliament. We ask that you will put favour upon them during this election time. Lord, it's you ultimately that give us the government that we have. Lord, don't leave us to our own devices, for that would be bad government, but we ask that you will have mercy on these elections. The Daniels and the Esthers, Lord, at local elections, national elections, we ask, Lord, that you will visit them right now. Give them great wisdom. Give them great anointings in the political world to serve you. Great favor we pray on all those Christians that you've called at this time the Daniels and the Esthers Lord for such a time as this prepare them anoint them give them favor before your throne and favor with people Lord we pray this because we know that this is part of your preparation when you will bring and pour out your spirit have mercy upon them Lord bring them to a great place in Jesus mighty name Amen. Now, now we're going to pray for the Cyruses. These people aren't Christians, but God can use them powerfully for his kingdom. After all, he used Cyrus to bring his people back from Babylon. So there are people out there. I don't know who they are. And, I, I, you know, that's not, that's not the, the point, is it? But we want 
born again Christians serving the Lord in Parliament, but we also want a good number of Cyruses that God will use for kingdom blessing and purposes. Call upon the Father and ask him in Jesus' name to bring forth and to establish already Cyruses. Cyruses, Cyruses, Lord. People that can deliver a nation without even realizing it. People that can affect an environment for the kingdom of God without even knowing the kingdom of God. People that can bring righteousness and righteous arguments without even knowing that that righteousness comes from you. People that you can utilize and release. We pray tonight at Kensington Temple that you would send your Holy Spirit right now and that you would anoint and appoint new Cyruses, old Cyruses, that you would also give them favor. Hear our prayer, Lord. Hear our prayer at this time in Great Britain. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray. Send your Holy Spirit. Raise them up in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just spearheading things. We're going to be taking this through on daily prayer. And finally, we're going to pray that God will remove evildoers from office. Those that are evil, those that are not just evil towards the church and God, but evil towards others. We don't know who they are. Let's not make that judgment, but let's ask God to do that, to deliver us from evil in Parliament. Let's pray. Hear our prayer, Lord. Give us a great deliverance from the, those that work powerfully with an antichrist spirit and agenda. You know who they are. And we pray, Father, that you will lift your hand off their lives as politicians. We understand at times you'll raise up the wicked. We understand that. But Lord, there are some wicked we believe where their time is done. They've worked too much wicked and that judgment is ripe. Not on their personal lives, but their political lives, we pray. We bless our enemies, but we don't bless their political power. And we ask that you will judge them politically. We pray that you will remove them from power in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray you'll deliver us from evil ones in these elections. Withdraw, withdraw from them. Expose them politically. Let them no longer have the favor of those that are around them, but deliver us from them, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And finally, Father, we pray. We pray. We're going to pray now for the intervention of the Holy Spirit in these elections every day, every moment. Last thing we want is for the Holy Spirit to, to, to leave us to our own devices during this election. What we want is the Holy Spirit involved in the news tomorrow. We want him giving the right people the right arguments. And we want the wrong arguments just falling from their lips. We want him to anoint and appoint the right ones like we've been praying. And we want him to sideline those that are not good for this nation. He can remove anybody. There's no one... No one who's so powerful in their politics that God can't remove and there's no one so weak that he can't lift up. We want the Holy Spirit to get into everything that's happening in the newspapers, in the media, in the arguments, to anoint and appoint. Hallelujah. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into the daily experience of the elections right now. Go ahead. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. 
Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be active. Active tomorrow in the news. Active tomorrow in historical political events in Great Britain and Europe. Active. Don't leave us to the mercy. There is no mercy of the powers. Don't leave things to these powers. But Lord, we ask that your power will be displayed, driving back the darkness. We pray that you will come and that you will arrange events, that you will anoint and appoint, that you will work in history, in politics. You'll work in the daily news. You will work, work, work in Britain and Europe and France right now. Holy Spirit, activate, we pray, your ministry. Move, we pray, in the politics of Britain and Europe. Move, Holy Spirit, activate, intervention. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would intervene. We pray that you would intervene, you would intervene, you would intervene, you would intervene. Have mercy on us for the blood of Jesus. Have mercy on us for Christ's sake. Have mercy on us and move, we pray. Move in history. Move for such a time as this. Anoint and appoint. Remove. Let things happen, Lord. Let things happen in history. In the next days, in the next weeks, the hand of God. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would activate the kingdom of God. Drive back the powers. Oh, we pray, we pray, we pray with fervor and an anointing. Hallelujah. And now, just as a wonderful anointing here, I believe, let's pray for God to bless the church in Europe. Just to bless, for the Holy Spirit to do such an incredible work in the lives of Christians. What we need more than power gifts, they'll come is we need God to do a great work in the hearts of his people in Europe, don't we? A great, great deep work. Pray for that right now. Ask the Holy Spirit. Bless the church of every church, every church. The Holy Spirit on the inside, a great work. Ask him to come more powerfully, more intimately. Ask him to override our sin and to have mercy on us. Plead the blood of Jesus before the Father's throne for Britain and Europe. Deal with us according to the sacrifice of Calvary, we pray, and send your Holy Spirit upon the leaders and the members of churches and cause there to be a great sanctifying, consecrating work in our hearts. Visit us, Lord. Visit us, Lord. Visit us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. For such a time as this, we ask for a move of God in the hearts of saints in Europe. We lift ourselves to you tonight and ask that you will visit us, Lord, that you will do a great work on the inside of us. Don't leave us where we are. Don't let us think that this is far as far as we come or that somehow what we have is normal. But Lord, what we have in our lives are subnormal. So much more to be had. So much more of you. More experience. More releasing. More anointing. More appointing. Lift your hands to the Lord right where you are. And you receive right now, in the name of Jesus, the blessing of Almighty God. Lord, release your blessing upon your people here tonight.
who are open to your kingdom. Release the blessing of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord Jesus, speak a word and send the Holy Spirit amongst us in greater measures, especially on these Sunday evenings where we have time to open to you. Send your Holy Spirit. Oh God, let us have fresh encounters of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Fresh visitation, 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 visitation upon your life. Encounters and leadings of the Holy Spirit come forth. Visitations of the Holy Spirit, visions and dreams as the Holy Spirit is outpoured. Healings and anointings and flows in your personal life, your family life, in your gifting. Gifts come forth afresh with power and new anointing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make your path straight for His kingdom purposes. May every mountain of opposition to your spiritual life be brought low by the power of Almighty God. May every, may every crooked path in our lives be straightened by the delivering power of the Holy Spirit. May every ravine of depression and disappointment and discouragement, may that ravine be lifted up and made a wonderful plain and oasis. May every desert feel fresh rain of the Holy Spirit. May the dry places in your life become like an oasis. Rivers in the desert, pools and streams come forth of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our experiences. A monsoon of the Holy Ghost. Send the rain, Lord. The latter rain. The latter rain. Send the latter rain. Send the torrents, the dark clouds, not of your judgment, but the dark clouds heavy with Holy Ghost rain. Send them over your people here tonight and begin the outpouring, the empowering and the cleansing of God, the straightening and the consecrating of the power, the refining fire in our lives, the purification of the love of Christ. Lord Jesus, pray, 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 Lord, intercede and may your blood have intercessory power over where we are in our lives right now. Send your gifts, send your healing, send your miracles, but most of all, send your Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray for our lost loved ones. We pray for our neighbors and our colleagues and our family members that don't know you. And we plead, Father, the blood of Jesus before your throne on their behalf and ask that for Christ's cross sake, you would send your convicting Holy Spirit on every unsaved friend, member, colleague. Set things up for a great revival, Lord. Set things up for a summer of evangelism. We pray for, for every evangelistic event that's in the revival times and the others that will come. Like Elijah building altars, but only you can send the fire of salvation. We pray that there will be an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. 
that we will be astonished, surprised and astounded at the openness of people to the gospel because God, the Holy Spirit, has been driving back the powers behind their sin and releasing them from the bondage of these powers. Release London from the powers. Release Britain from the powers. Father, release Europe from the powers of spiritual darkness. Drive them back, Father, we ask, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come once again and be the power behind Europe, the power behind Britain. Deliver us from the wicked powers and instead let the Holy Ghost behind, be behind everything. Let the Holy Ghost come and energize the media and music. Let the Holy Ghost come and energize politics and social order, philosophy. Send forth the power of the Holy Spirit and drive out these wicked spirits in high places. Father, loose your anointing. Raise up priests of God in the house of Kensington Temple. Raise up holy intercessors. Priests that will stand in the gap between the living and the dead, between the darkness and the light, between the judged and the saved, and by the power of the Holy Spirit become a bridge of intercessory salvation. Hallelujah. Send forth your anointing of prayer on us, Lord. Awaken us. May our prayers be on our mouth. Wake some of us up in the evening. Wake us up in the morning. Let there be a divine prayer awakening in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Send forth your spirit of intercession. Your spirit of deliverance. Glory to God. Fill your people with your power. Fill your people with the anointing. Fill them with your word, the rhema. Hallelujah. Let your glory fall. Oh. Uh, right where you are I believe in God that he'll touch you in your body put your hand on your body if you need a healing wherever is appropriate I need a healing Holy Spirit heal us heal us that we might better be equipped to serve you in our bodies heal in this place today take authority over every sickness in the name of Jesus we thank you that your authority is over the authority of sickness. You conquered death, therefore you have destroyed sickness. And though we know that final day will come when the resurrection, I pray, we pray, Father, that you will give us a touch right now of the healing. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today and forever. That means that if you were here and you are by your spirit, healings would take place. Release your healing power, Lord Jesus, and speak the word from your throne of glory speak the word and we shall be healed release that healing anointing that miracle anointing break every fetter of the bondage of the mind depression guilt fear bitterness Holy Spirit come and break those things heal us Heal us deeply, Lord. Make us strong for the sake of your gospel and your kingdom. Don't wait until we're glorified. But now, Lord, give us a taste of your glory and mature us and deliver us and release us. Hallelujah. 
can have the ministry team here at the front. But just before that, just take a few moments and just soak right where you are in this atmosphere. You don't have to intercede now. You don't have to break through. Just spend a few moments right where you are. And let the Holy Spirit settle upon you. Like a dove settles on a branch. Let the Holy Spirit just settle on you now. Rest upon you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus. Well, I believe he's resting on us right now. You say, I'm not worthy to be rested on. Jesus is worthy for you to be rested on. Hallelujah. Just rest upon him. Hallelujah. That's resting. Beautiful fragrance of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful resting of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Bringing the kingdom anointing for the inside and the outside.